go fuck you that's what yeah exactly so with that welcome to d all the above podcast about everything i'm joined today by the one and only jonathan pritchard a mind reader with fortune 500 clients and a twitter extraordinaire and uh, fucking just absolutely killing it on the internet to be honest how are you doing today jonathan hey man just hanging in there so the uh, fortune 500 mind reader what 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 exactly does that entail oh man that is a big question Basically, I help my clients be better at what they do by leveraging the power of understanding how people think. So the result is you're so good at it that your clients are going, holy crap, it's like you were reading my mind. Like, yeah, that's it. So helping people be better communicators, understand what their clients need, and then getting them exactly that so that people are just going, man, I've never had anybody understand this like you do. That's the golden ticket. So it's, so it's essentially almost like using a reverse psychology to teach the client like, hey, this is what they're looking for. This is how they're going to think about your product. This is how you need to sell it to them. Right. Helping, helping my clients get inside the minds of their clients so that my clients can communicate it in the way that their clients need to hear it so that they'll understand why my clients need to get hired. All right. Well, I'm going to say it right now. You're a fucking genius, dude. Holy shit. <laughs> I'm a smooth brain idiot. I'm a knuckle banger. I'm a lifelong career mechanic. What you just said, like, I get it, but whew, I'm glad you're doing it. Not me. Cause I'd be like, <laughs> well, all right, you. look, what are they selling? All right, here's the product. They have it. Fucking buy it. Dumbass. Right. Come on, you idiot. The The problem, though, with this is so good, it'll sell itself. If if somebody has a problem, they literally don't understand what the problem is. Otherwise, they would have solved it by now on their own. Right. They understand what the consequences of that problem is. They know what they're dealing with, but they don't understand what's causing it. Okay. Because if they understood what was causing it, they could have fixed it. And the fact that they haven't fixed it means they're not going to, basically. Mm -hmm. So now you need to help them understand what the real problem is so that they can know how to fix it. So that's why doing sales isn't about just saying, hey, idiot, buy this. Because the person who needs it doesn't understand why they need it. So it's all about communicating in a way that your ideal clients will hear, oh, okay, now I understand what the problem is. Now I understand that that's the solution. Now it's easy for me to trade some dollars for that. Okay. Because they don't have your experience. They don't have your understanding of what your solution is, why it solves the problem. They, they have zero experience with it. So you've got to crawl inside their head which is a universe that doesn't appreciate all your background. So you've got to start where they are, put it in terms they'll understand, and that's sales. Okay, that makes that actually honestly makes a lot of sense. It, yeah. It's stupid simple when you get it, but on the front end, you're just like, I don't understand why these idiots don't get this. Like, it's super clear, yeah, to you. Because it's exactly like a magic trick. My first job out of college, I sold magic tricks at Universal Studios. 
It was at a magic shop called Theater Magic. It was inside the park. So you've already had to pay to buy a ticket to get, get, in get into the park before you ever even see the magic shop. So people are there for like the roller coasters and, and that kind of a thing. And then they're walking by and then here's me be like, come on in, see the magic show. So they, they come in, they see the magic show, which, which is a carefully scripted 12 minutes, every single word, every single move, every single gesture scripted. None of it was off the cuff. And then I do that. And oh, by the way, everything you've seen me do, you can buy at the counter. This is 50 bucks. This is $37 altogether. You got a package for $75, whatever, right? Mm -hmm. So then these very intelligent people from all over the world would go, oh my God, I have to know how this works. That is the coolest thing I've ever seen in my life. They buy it. They, they read the instructions and instantly they, they will then say, Jonathan, I want my money back. This is too stupid. This will never fool anybody. Like this will never work. I'm like, fool, it just worked on <laughs> you and 37 of your idiot friends. <laughs> Literally. Right? So it will work. You've just got to make it work. So when you know something, your brain instantly accommodates the new universe that integrates that knowledge. So it's really tough for you to remember what not knowing that was so you lose the context to appreciate the value of what you just learned okay so when you learn it you're you're now like well that's the stupidest thing i've ever heard but but you didn't know, you know it five minutes ago exactly so that's that's kind of the power of consulting and why consultants uh you need to get paid up front because people will have this this deep problem for years, pay you the consultant to solve it. And then you go, okay, in one session, I'm going to completely rewire how you think about everything. We're, we're going to get rid of this. And you're like, oh my God, that'll be the best thing ever. Oh, I just, I can't wait. You do it. And then they're like, well, that's stupid, simple. I could have figured that out. Why in the world did I pay you 2,500 bucks? I was like, because uh, you didn't figure it out. You weren't going to because you already had 10 years to do it and you didn't. So <laughs> wait, 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 wait. Okay. So, so you just said 25 and I, I'm assuming that's like an arbitrary number, $2,500. Is that like an average consultant fee depending I mean, on the it, size of the client? Depending on the size of the client and the problems you work on. Yo, how do I right? sign up like, for this? <laughs> <laughs> well, you, you gotta you gotta solve big problems that are worth a lot of money to people. Well, see, and that, you gotta like people, and that, that's why I work no, on cars and airplanes. No, they I I really I really don't like people. I'm I'm intensely introverted, and most people I meet really frustrate me um, because if if your mind works at 100 miles an hour, and everybody else is driving at 25 miles an hour you're constantly stuck in traffic. Why won't you just move? So it's really tough to find a lot of people that that aren't just going to drive you crazy. That, so it, honestly, yeah. that's, I mean, and that even happens in the physical world, especially at my work, because now for a Southern, because I live in South Carolina, for a very, for a state that gets, pretty fucking hot like today i think we're hitting highs of like 110 or it feels like temp uh down right. here in the low country like it's it's fucking hot it's a manual labor job 
we build airplanes. Like we literally build jumbo jet fucking airplanes. You'd think, you would think everybody would be in like, you know, pretty decent shape. You'd have a couple, you know, overweight people, but no big deal. No, there are people the size of baby hippopotami and they waddle in the hot sun. Like they waddle slow as fuck and they take up the entire sidewalk and I'm walking and I'm like, oh my God, would you get the fuck out of the way? Move. See, cause they don't like, they just walk in. I have a backpack that I carry every day. It's my everyday carry bag. I've got a multi-tool. I've got tourniquets, uh, glow sticks, water purification tablets, ibuprofen, rain jacket, hoodie. Like I've got all this shit, and I carry this backpack with me everywhere. But I've got this backpack on. I've got a 10-pound lunchbox, and you're waddling. Move. Just yeah. move. And I, I, it, it baffles my mind because we have a certain amount of time to do these jobs. And people will waste time, like purposely waste time and then not have enough time at the night to get their shit done. I'm like, well, look, if you had shut the fuck up for five minutes and done this, maybe you'd be done. And I kind of see like what you're doing in the business world. I'm not anywhere close to it, but I feel like I'm, I, I get it a little bit more because on the sense of finding solutions. I do it at work all the time because like I said, I've been, I've been turning wrenches for a long time. I love doing it. I absolutely love it. Mostly because cars and airplanes don't talk back. And if they don't cooperate, I can just beat it a couple times and then it works. It's fine. But you know, I like, there's one job that the, the professional at it, it's down under a bilge, under floorboards, really tight space. Person that taught me how to do it was a no shit four foot eleven Peruvian woman that was probably about this big around. She fit perfect in that bilge. She was the professional at it and it would take her two and a half hours. I got it. I started doing it. And at the time I was about 260, 270, six foot tall, big boy, trying to fit myself under floorboards. So I sat there and I said, hmm, I don't like being under here. This is claustrophobic as hell. How can I do this faster? I now I'll have I now do that job in an average of thirty eight minutes. I've cut two hours off of that time. Uh, same thing. Uh, I'm training a guy right now to be my backup for I for a hydraulic build that I do. Um, it used to take, uh, let's see, it used to take two shifts, three days, and three people to do this build. I can now do this hydraulic build in six hours and then sit down for the last two hours of my night and read the empire divided by jeff putnam and people are like how do you do this shit i'm like um i shut the fuck up i do my job and i find the most efficient but yet still quality passing way to do shit pretty simple and i don't understand how other people do it but luckily i've been able to there's been some people that have come to me and been like hey man what's the easiest way to do this how's how's an easier way to do this that still gives me the quality product that the customer's going to expect no problem but if people just sit there and hate i'm like all right well then figure it out your fucking self asshat see that's that's a little bit different i feel i feel like the business world and the mechanic and the maintenance world and manufacturing world can be a little bit different because i can call people fuckheads and nothing happens but 
I, I got a hand. I got a hand respect to anybody in the business world. Uh, I've never had an office job. I I don't think I could. That's no. Just yeah, no. for for me, I I traveled the world for about fifteen years as a full time performer and uh, entertainer. So I I would do a couple shows a month and then have the rest of the time to myself. Uh, so yeah, I I became supremely unemployable over those years. Mm-hmm. So it's it's been fantastic because I had a lot of time to myself to learn whatever I wanted. So I I basically had four lifetimes of free time to just practice weird skills that most people never even get to, to do once. So yeah, I, I got a job, like an office job several years ago as a graphic designer at a social media marketing company, just to get a job and then see, see what's what. And I had it for about eight months and then I got fired um, for culture fit, which basically I would ask questions and, and say, well, this is a better way to do it. The way you're asking me to do it is ridiculous. So I'm going to do it this better way. Yeah. And then I was sowing seeds of dissent and other people were getting ideas like maybe we should do this better. And yeah, so I got let go and it was great. Like I was laughing. It's more efficient. You're the bad guy. Right. So the, the CEO sat me down and fired me. I was like, Oh, I'm getting fired. He's like, what? Yeah. Like he, that was a very strange reaction to him. I was like, I've never been fired before. Like, what do I do? Like, am I supposed to, to throw the chair or something? It, it was really weirding him out. And, and that was the, the fun game I, I played. And then about two years ago, I, I got a, a full-time gig as a, as a marketing consultant as purely remote work. So I basically just talked to business owners all day, every day about how they're thinking about promoting their company and helping them figure it out. So yeah, it's, it's a lot of fun, but since it is fully remote, super flexible, it's just calendar. If I've got some other gig that I got to go fly out to cool, I'll block off my calendar. So it, it's the perfect fit of, of how to spend time. Yeah. Cause you get the freedom and you still get you know, the work and the satisfaction from work being done. Right. So I can still do the entertaining side. I can still do the personal consulting side. I can still do the the personal training side. And then the rest of my month, the other 28 days, you can enjoy your I life. Can, exactly. See, and that's yep. when, whenever the coronavirus and the whole global pandemic, the lockdown and shit, whenever that started, we, uh, hmm. Where I work, they were like, oh, well, if you can work from home, go ahead and do that. So all the ITs, all the engineers, most of the executives, they stayed home. Which honestly wasn't the worst thing because then they stayed the fuck out of our way. But then, but then they decided that if you, once they started, you know, bringing people back. They're like, if you want to stay remote, that's fine. But if you want to come back in, we'll give you, you know, a bonus to your pay. And, well, you know, people that had to work from home, you know, they, they've had a rough go at it. So we're, we're going to, you know, make it easy for them to come back. And I'm like, all right, look, looky here, you little shits. 2020. We got a bonus 
that was a quarter of what we've got in the past years because of economic impacts. Our normal raise, which already went from a individual performance standard to a site-wide performance, which I still think is bullshit because now I'm going to get the same raise as a hard worker that Joe shit the ragman sitting over in the corner with his thumb up his ass is going to get. That's a whole nother episode. So instead of like, you know, just a 2.5% raise that we normally get, we got 25 shares as mechanics invested stocks that we can't touch for three years. Oh, but here's the caveat to that. You get fired, you get nothing. You resign to go do a better job. Mm -mm, fuck you. You get nothing. The only way you get it is if you're involuntarily or voluntarily laid off or you retire. And if it's within the first year, you get 33.33 repeating percent. Second year, 66. Third year, you get 100%. Oh, not to mention they also just hired 200 contractors and gave them a $10,000 sign-on bonus. I'm like, motherfucker, I've been here this entire time building airplanes and you're fucking me? What? That's, I'm, I'm honestly, I'm over corporate America and I'm ready to uh, move on to the next cha chapter of my life, which will be going to the state of freedom, also known as Texas. Because, you nice. know, that's just freedom. Plus, it'll I, it'll put me closer to family. Um, yeah, my parents are planning on moving down there as well, so my grandparents aren't getting any younger. Yeah, I, I lived in Austin for about eight years, and it was a lot of fun. It I just got tired of sweating all the time, but that's that's why I have the bat tattoo for all the bats that live under Congress Bridge down there. there. I want to go there and see the bats. Yep. I actually have yep. um, just off the wall. For anybody watching, you might find this interesting. I'm, I'm collecting, I collect bones and weird shit. And I oh, actually cool. have a juvenile flying fox face fruit bat skull. Oh, that's perfectly awesome. intact. And I actually have the, I have the lower mandible super glued to the upper uh, cranium. So mm -hmm. that way it doesn't move. But yeah, this thing's cool. I've got a uh, Japanese raccoon dog, American raccoon, two turtles and two, um, what are they? Oh, they're moles. Right on. And then also yeah, I, have that's a, great. I also have a bunch of beculums, if you know what those are. I don't. Uh, I'm not a beculum specialist. All right. There's a few See? species of animals that have bones in their peckers. And, uh, there are some I, things I that it's good to be ignorant about, and no. I can never unknow that unless you hit me in the head with a wrench, at which welcome. point I will thank you. Hey, I have a 20-pound wrench in my toolbox that I use for <laughs> hydraulic builds. Nice. That, that would do the trick. I mean, I'm not going to lie to you. You might be the first guest that I've actually put a polo on for, and not just a t-shirt <laughs> or a long sleeve well, shirt. You. I was I like, appreciate it. I was like, bro, this is Jonathan Pritchard. He's a fucking, he's a famous mind reader. I gotta look good, man. <laughs> so speaking it's working. Of, it's so, working. So speaking of being successful on you know Twitter and in the business world, Elite University. Uh, funny little story. I didn't know that you started it. So, and for everybody listening and watching, um, so I had seen that Jonathan here had posted something about Elite University. I was like, all right, cool. I'm going to request to join. And just as like a courtesy, I was like, hey, man, you know, I hit your request to join, you know, fingers crossed. And then I got hit with a message from Mr. Pritchard that said, yeah, I just got the notification. You'll get the email here in a couple seconds. And I was like, oh, fuck, it's his. Oh, <laughs> Okay. So Elite University, from my understanding and from what everything I've read so far, is a 
is essentially networking for people that want to better themselves in both the professional and even personal life. Yeah. Yeah. The thinking behind it is the performing stuff was great and I still do it because it's a really fun thing to, to do and to have fun. Entertaining people for an hour is a noble profession. It helps them forget their problems for that hour where they can just laugh and have fun. At the end of the show, they go right back to those problems. And over the years, I started realizing that the applied psychology that I use on stage to make the show work, I had already been using in my own life and business to make the business work. And I did uh, about eight, nine years my main focus was doing shows at colleges. So I was a college performer. The student activities people would book me. I'd show up, do my monkey dance. And then after the show, I'd have a, a autograph line, uh, 45, 50 minutes. People would be wait, waiting just to say hi, right? So that was, that was super cool. And it was a, a thing I, I take very seriously. I never wanted to be one of those performers that's too good for their fans that kind of thing where, where they take it for granted. And they're like, listen, look at these stupid idiots standing in line. What a maroon that that's not my vibe at all. Without an audience, I'm not a performer without people showing up. I don't get paid. Like I don't, I don't have anything that I want without that audience. So I want to stand there and shake every single person's hand I want to thank them for being there and just really be present with anybody that was willing to stand in that long ass line for me. So people would, would ask me questions or, or go, Oh, well, that was, that was so much fun. I loved seeing that, but you know, it must be really easy for you because you're so outgoing. And I'd be like, well, uh, let me stop you right there. Uh, because I am super introverted. I would rather not talk to people for a week than be talking to you right now, right? That, that kind of thing. So I was talking to, to folks about how I think about stuff and how I get to do all this amazing touring and, and having fun for a living. And then about a year or two later, I start getting emails from people saying, hey, I don't know if you remember me, you came to my school and you, you talked to me for about 10 minutes and it just completely changed how I thought about stuff. Here's all the, the changes I made and, and it, none of it would have happened if you didn't take the time to talk to me after your show. So I just, I needed to tell you that and thank you. That's when the light bulb kind of went off and I was just like, oh shit, this is like, this is actually important stuff. This is legit. Okay. Shit. Right. Right. So that was when I first started transitioning into understanding oh, maybe how I think about stuff, other people might find valuable because they didn't grow up with my parents. They didn't grow up with my teachers, my mentors, all that kind of thing. So I started thinking about, all right, everybody after the shows, they're always asking about the same 20 questions. The details might be different, but how am I more confident? You look so confident up there. I could never do that. Like, well, no, I was, I was very not confident for a very long time in my life, right? So I crammed all those conversations into a book because I figured, oh, a book would be the best way for me to deliver all these ideas so people can read my mind 
through my words without me having to be there. That's awesome. So that's why I wrote the book. And then that book started opening up training opportunities for me. So then that's when I started transitioning into corporate consulting and doing two-day workshops on sales techniques and then two-day workshops on negotiation skills and two-day workshops on how to be a better presenter in order to educate or persuade that, that kind of a thing. So that's where the corporate side started spooling up. And if you didn't work at one of these corporations, good luck. You'll never, you'll never get that information. You'll never get that training. So I started thinking about, all right, what would be the best way to make all this available to people that, that just want to know how to make more money in less time by thinking about stuff better? Right. Like that's really all it boils down to think better. Right. Yeah. That's, that's it. And I, I built, um, a couple different iterations, but elite university is the most recent and the one that I I'm the most comfortable with. And I, I can see myself kind of riding off to the sunset. So elite university is it's a podcast itself. It is a membership group where you can find other people that are walking the same path in the same direction. And there are free courses in there on mindset and memory techniques and networking. Which and that, that mindset kind of reset for all the viewers and listeners, I highly suggest it. Highly 10 out of 10, a, a thousand out of 10 recommend the mindset reset. I listened to it last night while I was I was uh, installing grounding cables and it's stupid shit mindless. I've done it a hundred times. I don't even have to think to do it. So I was sitting there listening to it and I was like, oh shit, I've been doing shit all wrong. Fuck. <laughs> I was like, I gotta, I gotta change all this, man. I was like, my entire life has to change right now. And it honestly has. Uh, and, and like I said, you know, between you, Jeff Putnam, uh, Billy Redhorn or the gentleman mystic, you know, a little bit biased, my own dad, of course. Um, I mean, I was so glad when my dad introduced me to all you guys, because I've, I've read your tweets. I've gone and I've, I've gone to each one of y'all's profile and scrolled almost to the beginning of all y'all's accounts. And I've read all this shit and I've, I've looked at people's testimonies like, Hey, this shit really works. This guy helped me get my life together. And I was like, you know what? Yeah, this is where I belong. And I've noticed over the past couple of days that I have spent more time on Twitter than any other social media app. And for once, it's not being on a social media app and seeing a bunch of bullshit, which I still see the the daily bullshit on Twitter. You're always going to see it. But the inspirational people and the intelligent people and the people that have their life together and are trying to help people better themselves outweighs that bullshit that I see. And I, I know I'm going a little bit off tangent, but I have to thank you and, you know, Jeff Putnam, Billy Red Horse, Hotep Jesus, Zuby, Chief Chuck, uh, Just Ginger. You know, she's killing it. Building, I think she's, what, building a house or fixing yeah, her house to yeah. move to Costa Rica and live the best life? Like, what the hell? I, I want that. But, yeah. you know, I, I... Thank you, man. I know I wanted to say thank you on behalf of me and, and, and my viewers and my listeners. Um, uh, there's a couple people at work that listen to the podcast, and uh, they listen to my dad's episode... 
uh, and they've they've heard me talk about you and Jeff Putnam and Billy Redhorse, and they're like, oh shit. And they've gone, a couple of them have Twitter, not a lot, but they've gone on and they've read y'all's stuff and they're like, oh shit, like you actually, like you're on to something. I'm like, yeah, I know. I'm not on to something. <laughs> they are. I just like, hey, just here, go, go read their shit. <laughs> well, thank you, man. That, no that really means the world to me. I really appreciate it. And then I did want to circle back to what you said about, you know, being that entertainer that you want to respect your fans. You want to give your fans the most. You don't want to blow them off. You see that a lot of times celebrities and musicians and entertainers in general, they, they do exactly that. They blow off the fans. They're, they act all nice. And then you really get them in a situation and they're fucking dickheads. Um, I know one example, me and my mom, uh, I think I was still in high school. We loaded up a minivan full of toys that had never been open that we had in our basement. We drove to St. Jude's and we donated them and like we got to see the warehouse where they store all the toys that people donate. We got to see, you know, where it all goes and how it affects the children. We actually got to talk to the lady and she said that out of all the celebrities that go to St. Jude's, only a handful of them are actually genuinely nice. She said a lot of pe a lot of the celebrities they'll pose, they'll pose pretty for pictures and they'll, "Oh yeah, I'm with the kids supporting the kids." And the minute those cameras go off, they're like, "All right, I have to catch a flight. Goodbye." And they give two shits less. And I I see I see it more and more in today's climate, especially with new and upcoming artists. Uh, there's a country hip-hop artist, Ryan Upchurch, that I've been a fan of him since he was only on YouTube. before, Because he, he hasn't signed a record deal. He's independent. Good for him. But I've been a fan of him before he was getting a million views on YouTube. He had like 9,000 views on his YouTube when I was watching um, there's another, there's another hip hop artist, Tom McDonald. He is also independent. He started from YouTube, Facebook videos and shit like that, making rap songs. And he raps about real shit in real life. And I, I appreciate his music and I've messaged both of them multiple times, uh, both at the beginning of their career and here recently. And I've been like, Hey man, I just wanted to say thank you for creating this music. Uh, you know, cause some of their music has gotten me out of some dark times. Some of it's helped me be my best person. And I've never gotten a response, probably because they don't even read their own messages. And it's it, it's it sucks being a fan and being somebody that takes that in. Um, but before we move on to our next topic, we're going to take a quick break, and we're going to hear a word from these sponsors. And if that doesn't work, it'll give you all the success that you've ever wanted, and that usually does the trick. Because performers and entertainers live in such a weird hall of mirrors where only applause is what they hear. Negative or constructive feedback just opts out. So they're only getting positive reinforcement. And the weirder it gets, the more positive reinforcement they get. So it's this really weird feedback loop that gets them farther and farther away from reality. And they're the only one who doesn't know it. And unfortunately, because of their lifestyles, and it's not all of them, I will say that. There are, there are some entertainers that are very fucking humble. Um, Waka Flocka, like that dude, he just bought a farm. And he's farming, and he has livestock. And he's, I mean, yeah, he's showing it off, and he's on TikTok and all that. But he's like, he goes, I got tired of all the chains and all the money and all the fancy shit. He goes, 
I like a simple life. And I'm like, hell yeah. Like that's, that's where you need to get back to. But at the same time, you've got people like little Uzi Vert. Um, why is that the only name that I can come up with? That's I'm ashamed that that's the only name I can come up with. Um, essentially any any big celebrity actor actress musician uh any anybody in that realm they show off all these fancy cars they have and all the big fancy houses and that big lavish lifestyle and i feel like social media has made made everything made everything's value based off face value and it's what you see and it's oh well look at what i got mm-hmm. and there's there's a big disconnect between the face value that people see on social media and reality. Yeah. I, I think I can give you a peek into, into this in a way that not a lot of people can. Oh, please do. I love, because I love insights. As part of being that entertainer, part of what I would do is go to conferences where student, student activities people would come to this marketplace of entertainers to book the next year's worth of shows. So you've got your stall, you're in the market and you're selling yourself just like uh, you're on the street corner. You'd be like, Hey baby, want to book a mind reading show? That kind of thing. Right? Exactly. Exactly. Strike a pose. So then at the beginning, I was very literal about the quality of my show. It is a really, really good show. It's a lot of fun. It's, it's a, it's a good time. Well, then there's this other guy who I knew objectively is worse than me, Like his show is hot garbage. Mm. However, he would say, this is the best thing ever since sliced bread. It's going to be so amazing. So impressive. You're never, ever going to forget this. He would hype the hell out of it. Who got booked that guy. Then he has more shows than me. Now he's getting more experience and then he actually gets better and then it gets better, right? Okay. Because part of it is that the people who are in the audience want you to be that rock star. They don't want somebody that they're friends with because their friends are boring. They don't want a normal person. They want a star, a rock star. Somebody famous, famous people aren't like me because I'm boring in every day. And if that famous person is boring in every day, well, then they're not a useful canvas for me to paint with this glory life. So in a way, you have to play the part that they're looking for you to play in order for them to fulfill their needs. So it's kind of like, a pilot mm-hmm. getting on the the horn being like hey uh everybody we're oh wait wait where are we going today it, uh san francisco no we're going to new york it right like that's not the part that the pilot plays if they do then everybody on that plane goes i'm off <laughs> nope th- i'm not on this plane no i'm Hold out on. what <laughs> what did he say i thought we exactly. were going to michigan Exactly. So you have to fulfill the obligations in order to fulfill the contract that you and the audience are agreeing on. The problem happens when you, the performer, 
start believing your promo material, where you start believing that you are at your heart of hearts, that rock star. Instead of understanding this is a role and a dynamic and a situation in these contexts, as long as you maintain that framework, you can embody the rock star, be the rock star on stage. Then when the show's over, you can still be that rock star to the autograph line because they want to meet their rock star. Yeah, they want to meet that person that they look up to. Right. They they don't want to meet the guy that takes the trash out and washes dishes. They want to meet the character. So maintaining the awareness that it's a role in, in a context is critical as the performer side. It's just that most performers buy too far into the persona and then think that is them. And then that's when the hall of mirrors starts and they start becoming unmoored and untethered from reality and start spiraling out. So that's, that's actually a really good insight that actually not going to lie. That crumbled my entire thinking about celebrities, lifestyles and shit, but it's, it's a valid point that it's not all of them, but sometimes they do get detached from reality. And honestly, I feel like nowadays, ever since the start of the pandemic, we've slowly been, all of us have been slowly detaching from reality because I mean, there for a while when you had all the, you know, lockdowns and you had to, you know, stay in your house and shit, people stream TV, they watch Twitch, they watch YouTube. I mean, yeah, some of it may be reality, but it's, it's not at the same time. You're watching life through a screen uh, and that's not healthy for the, I mean, the mental health or the physical health, honestly. Right. So, I mean, I've, I've been on reality television. Like I've, I've done that national TV. Okay. What I've show? been out, did that. It was America's got talent. I'm YouTubing it. You can't find it. Why not? That's part of the, that's part of the story because, oh, because for me in my life, it was several months worth of experience. I was living in Chicago at the time, went to the Chicago uh, trials, and I'm a professional performer. The producers who want to produce the sh best show possible, they want to do it most efficiently. So they've got the open cattle call. Any weirdo who has delusions of grandeur Go stand in that line for 15 hours for your one chance. The producers are smart. They know what they're doing. They also don't want to waste these camera guys and production team that are literally world-class at what they do. Their time is valuable. That line full of hopefuls, their time is worthless, less than worthless. That's why they can stand there for 15 hours. But the production crew, we're paying them a lot of money. So we got to make the most out of their time. So you know what? We will schedule professionals in a time slot to respect the professional's time so that they don't have to go stand in line. So when's, when's a good time for you, Jonathan, to come do, do your thing? Hmm. Like three o'clock. Okay. Well, the check-in check table is over there and we'll see you at 2.30 at to get you signed in. And then, 
and then we'll do your thing. So already, reality is not, not reality. television, right? Well, and like all those dating reality shows, I've always thought that those things were fucking scripted from the get-go. But, but here's the thing. They're scripted, but not in a way that you understand. Okay. Not in a way that the people on the show understand because they're the people in the machine getting ground up. And it's, it's a process that they don't appreciate mm -hmm. because everything that you see happen on America's Got Talent really happened. It's real. However, the thing you're watching is not the real how it happened. Okay. Because, well, you know, that was an amazing thing that performer just did. But the this audience has been watching seven hours of entertainers. So the audience isn't as snappy as, as they were at the beginning of the day. As a fresh so you crowd. know what? How about we just take the first... <gasps> reaction from the audience from 8 a.m cut it move it and put it there so that the performer gets the real reaction they deserve or well that performer well the part they're going to play in this show is a heel we're going to laugh at them and ridicule them so even though that performer got a standing ovation in person on the TV show, they're getting booed. All those things really happened. Somebody got booed. That performer did their performance. But you're not seeing the reality of how it worked. So I got in front of the judges. Howard Stern, Heidi Klum, Mel B, and Howie Mandel in that order from where I was standing. I put a paper bag over Nick Cannon's head, had him pop balloons. I had a bag over my head. I could tell what color they were, a stupid human trick, but it's fun. And I got through to the next round. With the, I got three out of four yeses. Screw you, Howie. And, <laughs> and I, I made it through to the next round. To be right? fair though, I've, I've heard a lot of people don't like Howie Mendel. Like off camera, he's a douche. You know, we all have our role to play, yeah. right? But yeah, he, he can play it perfectly. So <laughs> I I made it through to the to the next round after going through like three rounds to get there. So I'm I'm now in like fourth or fifth round in America's Got Talent. They never called me back. But also they never told me that I wasn't on the show. So they keep you in this limbo. And it's this weird liminal space where performers, we're all in this together. We know this is our big shot. So we're all supporting each other. There's, there's not a lot of sniping and, and backbiting because we're all in showbiz. We all know how tough it is. It's a long-term grind. Okay, cool. So you're like, oh, so what's, what's your deal, man? Like what you've been on the MWR tour, you've been on USO. What, like what, what's your background? So we're talking shop, right? Cause these are all workers basically. Right. So you're all in this shared experience and then you want to encourage them. So the producers are all like, okay, so 
Uh, make sure you get everybody's contact information and social media and talk each other up because, you know, we want this to be a big family. What they're doing is hooking you into promoting everybody, but the, they know that the instant they tell you that you didn't make it, you're going to have sour grapes and go, well, screw that show. I'm out. Now they don't have access to your followers. You're not in the club supporting all your family of performers. So they know that you'll be waiting for their callback because you got through to the next round. So clearly let's do this next step. Let's go through the whole pre-filmed process. And you're like, oh, okay, we're getting ready to go to the live rounds. Maybe I, I made it to the live rounds until the live rounds happen. And then you go, I'm not there. What, what's going on? At that point, you understand, oh, this machine is so big, so slick that they knew exactly what they were doing every step of the way. And they, they understood how to get me to be their promo yeah, it's free marketing. Without having to exactly, exactly. See, the first red flag is when they said we're a family. That no, 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 no. Mm -hmm. I've, I've every every job I've had that said, oh, we're like a family here. I I worked at a, uh, it was a dog boarding and daycare facility, that was owned by a local family in Virginia. At first, wasn't a bad place to work. Then it started getting shitty when. The lady that owned it, her kids would slack off and like give dogs the wrong meds and shit. And we would have to sit there and, you know, make the dog throw up and get the meds out. So we give them the right meds. But then we would get yelled at for having to do that. It's like, well, if your kid had been paying attention and gotten off their phone, maybe we wouldn't have to do this. But see, that's. I see. I didn't even know that that's how those kind of shows work. And that's kind of fucked, to be honest. Like That's really fucked. And, and that's the armor you need in order to still walk into that grind machine knowing that's what you're walking into and still walk into it. Yeah, to take that opportunity and take that chance. Exactly. And I feel like exactly. that's, I feel like that's a, a, a major point to hit on is, is taking chances and taking the opportunities. Um, I mean, there's right now with the job market hurting the way it is, everybody's trying to hire people uh and hell google google offers free classes and people are you know they're 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 upset because they don't have jobs and they don't have incomes and it's like okay well you can sit there and peruse twitter and facebook and shop on amazon go go take this class on google go get a certificate you don't need a four-year degree now i'm not i'm not trying to talk shit on people that get four-year degrees i respect People that get, you know, bachelor's. I've got one in painting. <laughs> yeah. Bachelor's, master's, uh, doctorate, associates. I don't care. I'm also very biased because I went to college. I was I was in college from October of 2016. I graduated July 2018. I went to the Aviation Institute of Maintenance. Um, it's a federally, or federally recognized um, school. Uh, I did a whole bunch of lecture. There's 9,250 hours that the FAA requires 
uh, of lecture that you have to have. Um, I took uh, federal written exams for general airframe and power plant. Then I did oral and practicals. And I'm now a, well, not now, I have been uh, a federally licensed aircraft mechanic. And I have a license from the FAA. I have a technical certificate. At the same time, I could go to Embry-Riddle and be like, hey, I have my AMP. And they go, oh, cool. Well, here's an associate's. But I'm okay with my technical certification. And that I feel like, f at least for for people my age, and like I said, I'm 26, you know, people, I've, I mean, I don't know how old you are. I, I think you're not. 38. Oh, shit. Okay, you're farther than I thought. Uh, yeah, hey. it's all the boozing and carousing I do. I thought you Keeps were only me like, young. I only thought you were like three, four years older. Okay, shit. But yeah, so people, <laughs> I mean, you're kind of in that you're not far off from that group. People around our ages, when I know for a fact, when I was in high school and middle school, they pushed, oh, you got to get a four-year degree. You got to get a four-year degree. You got to get a four-year degree. Well, I don't know about them, but I make, at 26 years old, um, I, I make roughly $52,000 a year. And that's for straight 40 hours a week, not including all the overtime that I do. So, and I have full benefits. Medical, I have medical, dental, vision, hearing, um, unlimited physical therapy that I can take advantage of, uh, conditioning classes. Uh, I mean, hell, my gym membership, I pay less monthly and the yearly maintenance fee, I pay less because it's through the corporate account at work. You know, I we have a whole part of our website that's discounts just for employees that work here. And and it's like people are like, oh, you have to have a four-year degree. No, you don't. No, you really don't. I mean, hell, the job I work, you don't even have to have a, you don't even have to have the certification that I have. Hell, you can walk out of McDonald's and walk right into there, and they'll be like, hmm, okay. Results matter, man. Whatever you can deliver. Yeah, I mean, if, granted, for my level, when I got hired, they were looking for more skilled. I guarantee you, once. Once COVID calms down. Yeah, but once once the COVID stuff starts lightening back up and our our end of the business starts getting a little bit more busy, they're going to hire people. And they're going to do it like they did last time and just they want numbers at that point. And then they'll get the numbers, we'll get caught up, and then they'll be like, all right, all you shitty people, go. Or they'll do like the last round of layoffs and get rid of all the good people and keep all the shit. Yep, they pay him less. They they kept, I, I know for a fact, because the manager I had, she was my manager for almost the three years that I've been working here. Um, She got a layoff notification. Now, granted, she had been working for the company for, let's see, 32 years? Wow. Been with the company for a long time. But they gave her a layoff notice while they kept other managers that would rarely show up. And I was like, and we all know why she got it. And it's because she would stand up for the mechanics. Because as much as I wish it wasn't the case, the battle between first shift and second shift is unyielding. It's, it's constant. We come in on second shift and first shift has essentially ignored the jobs that they had to get done that day. And they've gone and done jobs on what we call our bar, our, our bar line. And it's like, you, you had your own shit to do. And then we figured out they were doing it because it was shit they didn't want to do. They knew that we would take care of it. 
And so we would take care of it so that way we could do our own jobs. And that way they didn't have to do shit. And it's been a battle since I've started here. Uh, first shift has twice as many people than second shift. And on average, they lose like five to ten jobs a day. While my team on second shift, we we plus up anywhere from 15 to 20 jobs a day. But yet, the executive and upper management still comes in and bitches at second shift for not doing enough. And we're like, bro, are you fucking kidding me? Like, pretty much the entirety of systems mechanics on second shift, we're all pretty much done. We're like, dude, come on. We bust our mm -hmm. ass day in and day out. They try to, they're like, oh, well, we're going to have mandatory Saturdays. It's like, for what? Our JBS is three. First shift has... First shift has 32 JBS. We have three, and they're all constrained, so we couldn't work them anyway. Why are you going to make us come in? Oh, well, one team, one... No, fuck you. No, we're not a family. We're not one team. Because, obviously, we, we work very differently. But it's... See, I'm getting on the phone that corporate America tangent again. I've, I'm over to corporate America, man. Yeah. Yeah, it any organism that reaches a, a certain size cares about the existence of the organism rather than its function. Yeah. Right. And and the job is the result of the leadership. And you're you're dealing with leadership that doesn't lead. Now, so, granted, I know just because I know he's gonna watch this on YouTube. Uh Rick, I know you're out there watching this on YouTube. You are a great manager. You are my number two favorite manager. Cheryl will always be number one. Rick, you are a close number two. And that's whole hard. Honestly, not because I don't want you to chew my ass when you listen to this. Um, but no, like my manager now, he's he's a really good guy. He stand, he's another one that stands up for the mechanics. He'd rather throw himself under the bus to upper management before he threw one of us. Um, and honestly, because of that, we take care of him. Um, he's been having some health issues. Uh, he's been having some you know personal issues where he hasn't been able to come to work and he's come in and there's been a couple times that he's gotten emotional when he's come in. Cause he's like, guys, I can't thank you enough. He goes, when I'm not here, I don't have to worry because I know shit's going to get done. And we're like, well, yeah, whether you're here or not. And we told him, we all told him, we're like, look, man, you're a glorified timesheet signer. You're the reason we get paid. We're going to get the job done whether you're here or not. He's like, that's what I appreciate. And we, we all have a very big mutual understanding and, I wish there were more managers like Rick and Cheryl. I really do. Um, I feel like I feel like the company would benefit from that. But I'm just a knuckle banger. What do I know? I'm a smooth brain idiot. <laughs> what the fuck do I know? I just know how to turn wrenches. <laughs> Torque wrench go ugga dugga. <laughs> Impact go burr. So, Jonathan, if so if people, if the viewers and listeners, if they want to get in touch with your wisdom and your skills, where all can they find you? Best place to go is elite.university. That's the hub for everything. My personal profile site and kind of portfolio is jonathanpritchard.me, but people misspell Jonathan. They have no clue how to spell Pritchard. So elite.university is a lot easier for people to figure out. So I'm I'm there most of the day, most days. If I'm at the keyboard, I've got the membership group open on on one of my monitors. 
So that's the the easiest place to get in touch with me. Awesome. Well, viewers and listeners will be posting the links for Jonathan Pritchard, Elite University, and everything else we talked about today in the description below, both on the MP3 format, on Spotify, Anchor, Google Podcast, Breaker, Pocket Cast, and Radio Public, and also on YouTube with the MP4 format where you can see, which I don't know why you want to look at my ugly face. I mean, Jonathan's pretty cute, but that's just me. Um, so with that, uh, Jonathan, thank you so much for coming out, man. Um, Dude. definitely might have to do this again. Talk about some, some magic in the world of illusions because don't you threaten me with a good time. Because again, we talk about everything here. Uh, I'll be recording another episode, episode five. I'll be recording that this weekend with, uh, one of my best friends. We're going to be essentially playing a game. He's going to describe a cryptid or something from folklore. I'm going to see if I can identify it. Nice. Because nice. why not? So with that, thanks everybody for coming out. Just remember, be kind to one another. Stop being shitty humans. Catch you next time. What's up, everyone? Thank you for listening to the podcast. If you enjoyed the show and want to help make it even better, follow the PayPal link or take a peek at the Amazon wishlist link below. Make sure to follow and like and tell everyone you know. See you next time.